Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. Uh, It's important to overcome fear. It's important not to live a terrified life. It's important not to be scared. Many people who have been successful, uh, you know, have had to, they, they didn't just happen automatically. They've had to overcome some things on that journey, you know. Uh, you've got to overcome uh, apprehensions, fear, worry, fear of failure, different things. And today I want to talk about overcoming fear. There's a verse in the scripture, you may know it. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Let's read that whole Psalm 23. Listen to this. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, David himself was a shepherd, so he knew a little bit about something, right? He knew that he was a good shepherd because he cared about his sheep. And he says, he's looking at these sheep that he's caring about. And if you know anything about David, when he went out to face the lion and the, or face Goliath, he told King Saul, hey, I already killed a lion with my hands. I already killed a bear with my hands. I'll care to kill this giant too. Well, why would he have cause to kill a lion and the bear? It's because they came after his sheep. And he was willing to even risk his own life to protect his sheep. And he saw his willingness to do that for his sheep. And he's looking at it. He's like, I can do this because the Lord is my shepherd. He's looking out after me. Right? So this is this establishes his relationship with God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When I was a kid, I thought that meant I didn't want him. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It took me a while to understand the language. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. I, there, there's nothing that I want that he can't provide. That's what it means. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, sheep like, sheep like green pastures, don't they? And still waters. He restores my soul. There you go, Amanda. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then here's our verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's an interesting place to eat, isn't it? presence of my enemies. You go right in there in the enemy's camp, set up a table and eat right in front of them. <laughs> God does that for you. You know, the Christian life is not a life that's absent of enemies and difficulties and conflicts, but right in the middle of this crazy world we live in, right in the middle of your crazy circumstances and all the busyness of your schedule, he prepares a table for you. Right? right? Why well, do you come to a table to get strength, to get nourishment, to get sustenance? Right? That's good. Uh, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. That's good. I like that. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. You know, the Bible talks a lot about that. He says, uh, um, to the Israelites when they were going into the land, that these blessings, if you'll follow the Lord, they'll pursue and overtake you, right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and these things will be added to you. Too many Christians are pursuing the things, but if we will pursue him, these things will follow us. 
they'll be right there, you know? The, the, the things that we need, the provision, the goodness and mercy, they're right there with us as we keep our eyes on him. That's why times of worship, it's good just to look at him sometimes instead of the problem. Because why? I'm pursuing you, God. This problem I'm going through is temporary. Okay? This, pro- this problem is not going to be here forever. It's just not. I mean, problems come and problems go, but I'm pursuing, I'm, I'm going to be consistent in my pursuit of God. Right? We need that kind of consistency. So here's this man. He's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That doesn't sound like a great place to be, does it? Like, I think I'll build a summer home here, you know? It's cool down in the valley. Where are you going to build? I think I'll build a home in the valley of the shadow of death. Not, not necessarily a place you want to be. But see, as David here is pouring out his heart to God and he's praying, I think it's interesting that there's not an inclination of him being somewhere where he's not supposed to be. What I mean by that is he's not saying, oh, God, I've messed up again. I'm in the valley. I made some wrong decisions. I did some bad things, you know. I did this wrong. I messed up. Can you help me? There's none of that. He's going through the valley of the shadow of death, and, and there's not even a, 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 a inclination in his consciousness that maybe he did something wrong. No, he's following God. When we follow God, sometimes we have to walk through hard places. It's kind of like the disciples on the boat. I think it's Mark 4. Jesus is in the boat, and they say, let, he says, let's go to the other side. So they just let loose the boat, and they start sailing over there. Jesus is tired. I know what that's like. Amen. But uh, Jesus is tired. He fell asleep back in the stern of the boat, and he's sleeping when that storm comes up, right? You know the story? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, my question is this. They're in the middle of this storm, but they weren't out of his will. The whole reason they were in the storm in the middle of the lake at that time was exactly because they were doing what Jesus told them to do. So every time you face a difficulty or a storm or some conflict or opposition in your life, hey, there is the possibility you messed up, okay? There just is. We can all mess up. But it could you could be in that situation because you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Right? It's a, it's a possibility. And so following Jesus does not guarantee the absence of storms or troubles or difficulty or persecution. In fact, following Jesus, the harder you follow him, it almost guarantees there will be persecution and difficulty. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have, there's that word, tribulation. I don't like that word, but you'll have it in this world because the world is not for him. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. The world is not for him. The world opposes him. And if we're going to walk with him, I mean, you know, people say, you know, man, if we could just show the world how good Jesus is, they would love us. The truth is Jesus showed the world how good Jesus was and they killed him. So no matter how Christ-like you are, there's going to be somebody who wants to kill you too. I'm sorry. It's just, hey, just how it is. And so, you know, when we settle with that and realize that even in the middle of this antagonism and, and, and the things that are going on around us and the ungodly things that are going on, not just ungodly, anti-godly things that are going on in the world today, he will prepare for you a table right here in the middle of it. You don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. You know, think about it. Is God's 
great messianic program, you know? He starts, pro- when Adam sinned that day in the garden, immediately God starts saying, somebody's going to come. He's talking to the snake. He's going to crush your head. He's going to set people free, you know? And he starts prophesying that and predicting it and, and, and generations of prophets looking forward and writing about what it's going to be like when the Messiah comes. You think God's whole messianic program is just going to end there one day with an unexpected storm in a boat in a lake? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, you're part of God's whole program too if you're with Christ. If you're in him, if you're walking with him, you've got something to do and his program's not going to just stop. Stay with him. Stay with him. Amen? So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I get an image there of death just kind of looming, you know, in the corners, just sneaking around, just waiting to pounce on that unsuspecting traveler walking through that valley, you know? And uh, it's probably a difficult place to navigate too. It's a place of great darkness. You know, I don't know what it might be, but it's a valley of the shadow of death. So you get the idea that it's dark and loomy and there's just danger possibly around every corner. But for whatever reason, there was a need for David to travel through the valley of the shadow of death. And so for whatever reason, whatever you're going through, you can know that God's presence will be with you even in a place as bad as that. And I like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says what? I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Americans are afraid. I'm just telling you, Americans are afraid. Um, I was looking for um, different things that Americans were afraid of on the internet, and it's on the internet, like I say, so I know it's true, okay? If it's on the internet, you know it's the truth. This is a study that's been, they've been doing this for about eight or nine years, uh, the Chapman University Survey of American Fears. This is for the year 22, okay? They ranked them by the percent of Americans who reported of being afraid or very afraid, all right? There was a hundred different things on this list. I'm just going to sum up a few, but just listen to the things that Americans are afraid about, all right? Number one, I found this to be interesting. I didn't know this. Number one thing Americans are afraid of is corrupt government officials. 62% of Americans are afraid of, I mean, I believe that, you know, most conservatives are afraid of corrupt government officials. But I didn't know that 62% uh, of people are afraid of um, corrupt government officials. Uh, They lay awake at night thinking about corrupt government officials. It dictates their days. It controls what they think about. Uh, You know, that's what they listen to. That's what they think about constantly is the corruption in the government. Listen, 45% are afraid of the government tracking their personal data. Don't be afraid of that. They're doing it. Um, 36% are afraid of widespread voter fraud. Uh, And this is not like a partisan thing, okay? I mean, I've read the whole list. This is not a partisan thing. 36% are afraid of voter fraud. I'm telling you what, I, I know I know most of you guys, and we have a conservative bent here, and I'm not ashamed of that, but I'm telling you what, they've got us afraid on both sides. <laughs> you know what I mean? They really do. Keep you divided by fear, and then they can get away with what they want. So be aware of that. Just be aware of that tactic. Um, 35%, <laughs> I like this one. You guys will like this one. 35% of people are afraid of government restrictions on ammunition. <laughs> and 26% are afraid of government use of drones within the United States. They lay awake on their bed at night wondering if the government's going to use drones. So, <laughs> well, it would be a problem. But, uh, but uh, you know, beyond that, the uh, the second right right there at number two, people are afraid of death and dying and sickness. 
This is a big one. Um, people becoming, people I love becoming seriously ill. 60% of people are afraid of that. They're terrified of that. You know, coming through COVID, people have lost a lot of loved ones unexpectedly through that. You know, uh, people I love dying is 58%. I'm afraid of people I love either becoming seriously ill or dying. Um, over 40% of people are afraid of high medical bills. Um, they're afraid of a new pandemic or they're afraid of becoming seriously ill themselves. About 30% of people are afraid of dying. Still, 30%. You go out there and you meet, you know, 10 people, uh, three of them are afraid to die. What's that tell you? They're, they're not ready. They don't know Jesus. They've, they've not made that peace, right? They're not ready to go. Uh, a quarter of us are still afraid of catching COVID. Well, that was in 2022. I don't know if that's changed. And 15% are just afraid of germs. <laughs> they got their little hand sanitizer and their wipes everywhere they go. They're just afraid of germs. So Americans are afraid, I'm telling you. Okay, we're afraid of global war. I didn't know this, but I mean, 60% uh, of people are afraid of uh, Russia using nuclear weapons. I don't even think about that. I mean, I, I'm, you guys, some of y'all are my age. I grew up in the whole time when every TV show was about the final World War III and the nuclear holocaust, right? Um, I don't even think about it anymore. But 60% are thinking about Russia using nukes. Uh, then, then it goes on. 51 are worried about North Korea using nukes. And 47 are worried about Iran using nukes. I mean, how did we get nukes everywhere? But, but it's, it's a fear. It's a fear. and People are thinking about it. Um, we're afraid of our environment. People are afraid of pollution. You know, they're afraid of, uh, over half the people are afraid of uh, either just pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes, and polluted drinking water. It's a concern. 47% uh, are concerned for global warming and climate change and air pollution. And I thought this was interesting. 39% of Americans are terrified of oil spills. Oil spills. Oil spills. <laughs> I don't even think about oil spills. I don't lay awake in my bed at night worried about oil spills, do you? But we're afraid. People are fearful. Um, just to wrap this up, I mean, there's a whole bunch. There's a hundred, like I said, but these were the, the top ones. We're afraid of terrorism. Half of us are afraid of a terrorist attack. And 40% are afraid of like a, a random shooting or a mass shooting. But come on, that hits, hits close to home, right? We just had the one recently. So, I mean, there's reason for some of these fears. You know, it's part of our experience. Many of us have lost a loved one or, or know somebody who's become sick or become sick ourselves and had to fight through that. So some of these fears are, you know, silly. Some of these fears are, are for real. 27% um, of people are afraid of snakes. 24% of people are afraid of spiders. 11% <laughs> are afraid of zombies. <laughs> zombies. And they 8% are afraid of ghosts. So just letting you know. Yet the psalmist says what? I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. You know, like I said, can I really live in a time where, I mean, some of these are real threats. You know, COVID was a real thing. Spread around, took people's lives, right? I mean, there's wars right now in the world where people have their butt finger on a button that can launch a nuke. I mean, it, these are possibilities, right? These are possibilities. But can I, in the face of these things, really live without fear? And the answer is not only can I, I have to. I have to live without fear. And I'm going to tell you why. Fearing something does not actually keep it from happening. I'm going to say, fear does not prevent something from happening. Think about it. 
being afraid is not going to stop it. It's just wearing you out. <laughs> it's wearing out your energy. I mean, unless you can turn it into something constructive, like praying or doing some kind of action, if fearing something does not stop it. Just sitting there being afraid. You know, now there are times, though, when you should be afraid. I do want to tell you this. I lived in Atlanta um, for, for a year. And when I was down, when I was there, I moved from Georgia. And uh, in Georgia, I liked riding my motorcycle because honestly, I was young. I wasn't always that smart, maybe, but I could get through traffic really great on my motorcycle in Georgia. And I thought, man, wouldn't this be great when I'm in Atlanta to be able to, you know, get places. I went down there. I'm telling you what, they about killed me. (laughs) They cut in, you know, in Georgia, they give you your space in your lane. In Atlanta, they're like, you're a motorcycle. We're going to share lanes with you. Scared me. So one day I'm literally, I'm, I'm driving in, you know, it's like six lanes wide bumper to bumper traffic. I'm all the way over here in the HOV lane driving. I'm not going to tell you how fast, but my speedometer was pegged. Okay. It wasn't bouncing off the peg. It was pegged. I'm driving. Cars are still passing me on the right. And I'm looking around and I'm just thinking it really bothers me that I'm not afraid because <laughs> I should be afraid. I'm thinking, you know, if something would happen, I've got a classic bike. What if the, you know, what if the bearing breaks or something, the wheel locks up, how far am I going to slide at this speed? And how many cars are going to hit me? And so I quit riding my bike in Atlanta, not because I was afraid, but because I wasn't afraid. You know, there's, there's some fear. If you, if your fear would motivate you to make a change or to do something, that's good. That's smart, (laughs) but that's not the kind of fear I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the kind that torments you, that keeps you awake, that keeps you from doing the things you're supposed to be doing in life, right? The things that will dictate to you. So here's the thing. Fear can keep you alive. That's good, but I'm not going to lay around all night just worried about the imminent danger of oil spills or even zombies. I'm just not. I'm not worried about them and I'm not going to fear them. And so um, I've got no control over the next pandemic. I I can do things to, to try to keep my body healthy and keep my immune system up. We should be doing that anyway, but I'm not going to lay awake just fearful of when it's going to come or if it comes, it may come, it may not. But uh, I've got to live without fear in this present evil world. God wants us to be without fear. And uh, here's the thing. look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27. Jesus says this. He's talking to the people and he's saying, you don't need to worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And he says, and which of you by being anxious or worrying can add a single hour of span to his life? It accomplishes nothing. It spends all your energy, your time, your resources, and it doesn't accomplish anything because fearing something can't keep it from happening. You know, like I said, you can get along all right with some some fears. You know, fear of snakes, fear of spiders. That won't necessarily, yeah, you're like, you're, that won't necessarily cripple you in life. You know, you just have to avoid them. When I was in India, they uh, they were pulling down some brush out of the jungle. And uh, you know those golden orb weavers, those big, beautiful yellow spiders like that? Um, I mean, I, I like them in my yard because they're beautiful to watch as a pet and you throw stuff in there. I, mean, I never wanted to pick one up. This one, they find this in this bush, this, this big spider, and they're like, Spider-Man. And they start throwing it around. They throw it at my son, and he was so brave, man. He picks it up. He's like, this is cool, and he's playing with it. And I'm just acting all cool, and I'm thinking, God, please don't let them throw it on me. 
Because <laughs> I know, I mean, I know they're not poisonous. I know they're safe to touch, but I'm like, oh, please don't let them throw that on me. I'm trying to act so cool here. Let my son here, Ben, you pick it up, you know. <laughs> You can, get, you can get along all right with some fears, but, you know, God doesn't want us to live fearful lives. He wants us to be free of fear. Uh, there are fears that keep you from doing things that you want to do. Fear of failure, fear of embarrassment, fear of even speaking in front of people. These are all fear of man. And the Bible says that fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a snare. We can't fear people. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I looked this up in all my different versions, all right? The New International Reader's Version. If you are afraid of people, it will trap you. But if you trust the Lord, he will keep you safe. The Common English Bible, people are trapped by their fear of others, and those who trust the Lord are secure. The CEV, don't fall into the trap of being a coward. Do you see how the Bible sees being fearful as being a trap? When you're in a trap, you're not free. You can't do what you want to do. You can't follow God. You can't, you're stuck in a place. Uh, the Good News Translation says, it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. Listen to that language. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. It's good to live in a place where you're not too worried about what others think of you. I mean, to a degree. I mean, you should still... Wear nice clothes, take a shower, whatever, you know, some of that matters. But, but it, it, to be free of, of having to perform for the public opinion all the time, we need to perform for one, right? Him. And we're not going to be able to please everybody and please him at the same time. So it's dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. And finally, the message, it says, the fear of human opinion disables. That's strong language, isn't it? The fear of human, it disables, it paralyzes you, cripples you. It keeps you from doing. And then he says, uh, trusting in God protects you from that. See, God wants you to be free from fear so that you can be free to follow him. He doesn't want us to be caught in that trap of fear. Um, fearing something, like I said, it doesn't keep it from happening. But you know what? The opposite, and we may look at this in another week, the opposite is true. Sometimes what you fear actually can attract it to you. You can draw the things that you're afraid of. You ever hear of people having a self-fulfilling prophecy? They're so worried about something that they bring it upon themselves. And when it happens, they're like, see, I told you. <laughs> and from the, this perspective, you're like, you've been working toward that all the time, right? We got to cast aside the fear. Um, here's the thing. Having fear, being fearful allows other people to manipulate you and control you. That's one of the big things. Number two, that's my point number two. What's it say? To, to fear no evil is to be free from the control of evil. To fear no evil is to be free from the control of evil because fear will control you. Politicians use fear to control you all the time. It's no accident that that number one thing on the list was fear of corrupt politicians or government officials. Why? Because they're using that fear constantly. They're preaching at it from both sides. You know, each, each side thinks the other side's corrupt. And they are, okay? I'm not telling you they're not, but that, that fear is what's manipulating people. It's, there's no accident that the number two thing is your, your health and, and, and uh, um, sickness because we're, we're, we have a fear of that. It's been just built into us so much by either what we've experienced or, or things that are in our culture that they're showing to sell us stuff or get us to do this and that procedure, right? I mean, there's big money in, in those industries. And so people will use fear to motivate you and to control you. Listen to fear of the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
to control the stock market. Okay, well, we're getting deeper than I wanted to go. All right, I've got to quit. Listening to people whispering on the front row. <laughs> Can't respond to everything I hear. Right, Rick? <laughs> uh, look at Hebrews 2, chapter 14 and 15. It says, since therefore, I love this verse. You know, I read this probably every six weeks, but it says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, basically saying Jesus, who, who is God, he came and he took on himself a body. He took on flesh and blood because why? Because we, the children, had flesh and blood. We had bodies. So that through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. He names him. So there's very clear who we're speaking about here, the devil. And verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. That's how the devil uses fear to manipulate people through the fear of death, through the fear of things to come. The devil is the master of using fear. And to be free of fear, to be free of the fear of evil, is to be free of the manipulation of the devil. It's the strategy of the devil to keep you as fearful as he can so that he can control you through your fears. Fear of lack, fear of sickness, fear of losing your job. I say no to fear. Amen? Come on. I will fear. Say it with me. I will fear no evil. Can we do it better? <laughs> like like at kids' church. One, two, three. I will fear no evil. All right, very good. So to be free from evil, you have got to be free from the fear of it. Otherwise, it will own you. All right. To overcome fear. Okay, so number three, and this is the this is my last point today, is this. Fear is no excuse for failure. Fear is no excuse for failure. You know, Benjamin is that age where he's like, I'm scared. Benjamin, go out here and get this. I, I can't. I'm scared. As if that, oh, I'm sorry, that trumps everything. Like, like, oh, you're scared. Oh, you don't have to eat your vegetables. <laughs> you're scared. I mean, I get it. No, it's like, no, go out there and do it afraid. You don't need to be afraid of everything, right? He's that age, I'm scared, you know? What, but there, do you remember the story of the man in the Bible with the talents? He gave everybody the talents, and he told them out and go do, go do business with it, go trade um, until I come back. And so he's talking about the, the return of Jesus. And... Um, Jesus is talking about when he comes back. That's what he's talking about, all right? And he tells this parable about a landowner who gives uh, money, basically money to his, he's distributing his assets among his servants, and he's going away on a journey, and when he comes back, he wants to see uh, if they've made some profit with him. Come on, how many of you know, like an investor does not invest in things normally because he wants to lose money, he wants to increase his wealth, right? So this man goes on a journey, and he comes back, and he intends to be a wealthier man when he returns returns because he's entrusted his property to his servants and he wants to know how much money they've made for him, right? So he comes back and the first one traded and doubled his money. The second one traded and doubled his money. And he's like, good job, you guys. Come on, I'm going to put you in charge of all these cities or whatever. And then the last one comes in. And what does he say? Look at Matthew 25. Um, we'll start at verse 24. He who had also received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you don't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25, listen to the phrase, I was afraid. I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you can have what's yours. And his master said, oh, you're afraid? I understand. I'm a pretty tough guy. It'll be okay. No, what's he say? Verse 26, you wicked and slothful servant. Being fearful was not an excuse. For God, I mean, he's like, I, I left, I equipped you. I know you, I know what you can do. I know what you're capable of. Go do it. And he says, I was afraid. 
So he says, you know, I reap what I've not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. And in verse 30, he says to this one, cast this worthless servant out into the outer darkness. And that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, you've heard um, it say, people say like, you know, religion and Christianity is, is like a crutch for weak people. I'm telling you, it is not. It is not. This is not words for weak people, is it? Now, Christianity is the opportunity to live a life that's beyond yourself. That's what Christianity is. Yeah, God's there, the God of all comfort, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he's there. He's with us to comfort us through hard times. But he's also calling us to a life of fearlessness, of boldness, of living for him. John Lake called Christianity a strong man's gospel for this reason. In writing to the uh, church of Smyrna in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested. And for 10 days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Does that sound like a wimpy man's gospel? <laughs> He's saying, if it wasn't worth dying for, I wouldn't ask you to do it. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. And God's not unreasonable in this. He's not, because he's equipped us, okay? Second uh, Timothy 1.7, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power, of love. Of, see, just like he gave those men talents to go and do, he gave us resources. He gave us his Holy Spirit. He gave us himself. He gave us his presence. Romans 8.15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons in whom we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. He's our Father. He wants to be with us. But there's no place for fear in our lives. You know, uh, I remember <laughs> when, I was, when I was young, our, our neighbors had this dog that was mean. I mean, mean. And the irony of it was it was our dog at one time. But uh, we had a straight... <laughs> Okay, in the Midwest, okay, in farm life, you know, a stray dog comes and she's about, she's going to be moved away, taken away. But we find, she, we find her to be with pups. So it's like, oh, we can't do that now. So we keep her till she has pups, right? So she's all these pups, we give them away, then we can get rid of the dog. But this dog's name was Ned. We didn't name him, we gave him away to, to uh, our neighbors. But Ned grew up to be mean, man. He was a mean dog. And as a little kid, I was scared of him. I mean, we, they had the beware dog signs on their property and I'd go up to go up there to see them. And I mean, this dog looked like he wanted to kill you. I mean, I'm little and he's just like all in your face showing his teeth. I was scared. But I remember one day my dad went to see, to see this neighbor and he walks up and, and, uh, they come out and there's Ned come out with him, you know. And this dog comes out, looks all mean, and I'm, I'm ready to be scared. So I'm grabbing his leg and coming. And I saw my dad just show no fear. He showed no fear. And you know what? That dog just came out and was as calm and as nice as could be. My dad showed no fear and he showed no teeth. <laughs> it is something to it. And then from that moment on, I wasn't afraid of Ned. I'm well, sometimes on the inside, I was afraid of Ned. But from that moment on, I knew if I didn't show Ned my fear, and it, it worked, man. I would go back there later and I would just like, 
whatever. <laughs> and he'd come out and, you know, give a bark, sniff you, and then go lay down. You know, you know how dogs are. But, uh, but for me, that first encounter with that thing, I had comfort in my dad because he was there. He was with me. Come on. Jesus said, God says, I'm with you. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to be afraid. Your boat's not going to sink when Jesus is in it. Just make sure you're close to him. Amen. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For why? For you are with me. You are with me. God with me is the reason that I will fear no evil. Isaiah 41.10, listen to this as we close. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen to that. Fear not, for I am with you. His presence is the reason that I don't have to be in fear. So the number one thing I need to do to overcome fear is I need to develop an awareness of his presence with me. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yet all the, all the time, many Christians live as if they were alone. They live, they have the same fears that the world has. I, 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 there's no way to know on this, this list of the fears that people have, but I would imagine if you separate the whole place into two groups, Christians and non-Christians, you would find the same fears in both groups. Because usually those statistics run pretty much straight through the church. But we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid. I need to develop an awareness of God with me. You know, I just want to, I want to close with this too. I just want to be real practical. Let's just take a minute. Track with me just for another minute here. I'm not going to pull the, I'm not going to call the band back up. I just, I just want you to think about the things in your life, you know, as you speak. If this is something that God is really wanting to share with us today, he's speaking to you by his spirit about things that you need to let go of or overcome or things that have been holding you back. And so as you think about those things, I want you to on purpose surrender those to him. Be aware of his presence, and I want you to develop a willingness and an eagerness even to go and face that fear. You know, sometimes you, some fear, you, I'm not saying you need to go pick up spiders or snakes, but sometimes you need to go overcome uh, uh, whatever, you know, if there's somewhere you know you're supposed to be, but you've not been going because there's something standing in your way that's a fear, it's time to overcome that. It's time to let that go and take a step toward that. Amen. Um, I think this is very interesting. You know, by uh, uh, in Hebrews eleven twenty three, it's the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's listing all of these people from the Old Testament who did great things for God, and it says, "By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, like mine, and that they were not afraid of the king's edict." Remember, the king made a, a an edict. He made a law that every uh, Hebrew uh, male child is going to be thrown into the into the Nile, basically to be eaten by the crocodiles so that the population of the Jewish people were getting out, out of control in Egypt and they're basically practicing close to genocide. I don't think they were trying to wipe them out because they were good slaves, but they were trying to slow down the population growth. And they were not afraid. It says they were not afraid of the king's edict. If Daniel had been afraid of the king's decree, think about that. 
Remember, the king made a decree that nobody should pray to anybody except him him, (laughs) for a time. If Daniel had been afraid of that, there would be no witness to God in that generation in Babylon. Right? What did Daniel do? He was not afraid of the king's decree. He went up, he opened his windows to Jerusalem, and he prayed to God anyway. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They'd have been more afraid of the fiery furnace, but they weren't. They honored God. And they were a witness to God in their generation. Did they go through trouble? Yes. Did they go through tribulation? Yes. Were they tied up and thrown into a fire? Yes. (laughs) But had they been afraid, there'd be no book of Daniel written, period. And they'd been like, and they all died very bravely the end. I mean, there'd be nothing there to write about. But they made a way where the king, the king, Babel and Nebuchadnezzar, uh, it got his attention. And, and it made life a lot more uh, tolerable for the Jewish people being exiled in Babylon. Because the king ended up saying in the end, Daniel's God is the real God. <laughs> the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the real God. I'm getting all three stories mixed up. If you know the Bible, go read it yourself. It's all the book of Daniel. But, but if these things would not have happened, there would not have been a witness for God. What does God want to use you to to witness for in this generation? Are you going to go through trouble, tribulation? Yeah, maybe. Will they cancel you? Yeah, maybe. Will they try to fire you? Will they shut you down? Whatever. But we've got to decide. We've got to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. But we've got to decide that we're not going to back off of honoring God and living for God in this perverted, corrupt world. Right? I will not fear them. I will not fear evil. You will not manipulate or control me through fear. Right? I'll be controlled and manipulated by because I'll yield myself to God and I'll follow his leading, but I'll not allow my fear of you to dictate my decisions. Right? We we need to be fear of free of fear. We need to learn how to trust God with our health. Right? I'm not saying don't go to doctors or anything like that. Thank God for doctors. We just spent three days in a hospital bringing our child. But we need to learn how to trust God. With If, you, if there's areas that we've not trusted him in before because, you know, I got this, right? We need to learn how to trust him with our finances, right? People are afraid of not having enough. Okay, who is your source? Is it your job? Is it your employer? Or is it your heavenly father? Right? You need to put your attention on. So whatever God's dealing with you, whatever he's saying to you, whatever it is, whatever you need to go and confront this week, man, without any music playing, with every head up and every eye looking around, (laughs) just go do it. Let's go do it, right? Let's be a church that overcomes fear. Let's not let the fear of the world and the influence of the world make us cower into a snare where we're ineffective for the kingdom of God. God's looking for brave men, right? Soldiers. Right? Amen. It's good, isn't it? Amen. Father, we love you and we just thank you for this word. Father, I pray that you would show us areas where maybe we've held back where we shouldn't. Things that we need to do that uh, perhaps we didn't do because of fear. Father, show us areas things in our lives that we need to stop doing, that we continue to do because we're afraid of what it might be if we would live without that thing. Father God, let us be led by you and you alone and not by the dictates of fear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.